Well, we're on part six of uh, the justified will live by faith. And uh, there's an old familiar hymn called uh, Blessed Assurance, and Jesus is mine. I don't know if it's so much Jesus is ours, but we are, we are his. He has grabbed a hold of us, and he will never, ever let us go. And part of faith is to ask yourself, what does it mean to be Jesus's? What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean now that uh, has the cross changed everything, anything? It has changed everything. But a lot, a way a lot of people think and the way a lot of people go about life and the way a lot of people live their life is that it really hasn't changed anything. The church has spent so much time trying to get people to go to heaven and they forget to live for God on earth. Because really, if the gospel was only about going to heaven one day, why, why are we here? The earth really doesn't matter, right? If, if the whole goal is just to get to heaven one day, then why are we here this Sunday morning? Tell you the truth, the best thing to happen to you would be for you to give your life to the Lord, and I come up behind you and pop you. <laughs> then you go right to heaven, if that's what it's all about. See, the church is spending all this time talking about heaven. The church is spending all this time talking about getting to heaven. And if you read the gospel and you read, um, you, you read the word of God and you find out it's, that heaven's trying to get here, that we're a city on a hill, that we're salt and light, that the kingdom of God lives in you, Jesus said. It's the gospel of the kingdom. So what did the cross do? What has it changed? What is this blessed assurance that we have in Jesus Christ? Is it just for the sweet by or by, or is it for the nitty-gritty now and here? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul writes, So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. We're not going to have time to go into all that right now, but I would go back to Genesis and read what were the blessings to Abraham. We are blessed with Abraham. Why was Abraham blessed? Because he believed God. Because of faith. Right? So right now, just starting off, you should be happy. Because are you of faith this morning? So then what does God say about you? You're blessed. If you're of faith, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus Christ, you are blessed. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what happens in life, you are blessed. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not to continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So are you of faith or are you under the law? If you're of faith, you're blessed. If you're under the law, you're cursed. 
and you're cursed because you must do everything that is written in them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Those that have been justified, those that have been made right with God, they will now live by faith in that justification, in that work of Christ, in what he has done. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Verse 12 there, that kind of, what does that mean? What does it mean that yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them? First of all, the law is not a faith. The law is not a faith. And I believe it's in Romans that it says that faith pleases God. It's impossible to please God without faith. So if the law is not a faith, and it takes faith to please God, us trying to keep the law, what does that do? It's not pleasing to God. Because the law is not a faith. The law is of works. The law is of the flesh. The law is what you must do. Does that mean the law is bad? No, the law is good. But you're no good. You don't have the power within you. You're missing the mark. That's what sin is. Sin means to miss the mark, right? And to miss the mark, I I used to be taught that it's to hit the bullseye. But it really means, it means that you don't have it in you to hit the bullseye. You can shoot at it and shoot at it and shoot at it as much as you want, but you don't, you don't have the ability to hit the bullseye. But in Christ Jesus, now, in the new creation, in that new spirit that you have received by faith, now you, do, you have the law written on your heart. You have new want-tos. And he gives you the ability to live above our fallen nature by faith, not by works. Amen? So verse 12, the latter part of this verse quotes Leviticus 18.5. The Amphalite Bible translates this verse, but the law does not rest on faith, does not require faith, has nothing to do with faith, for it itself says, he who does them, the things prescribed by the law, shall live by them, not by faith. So you can either choose today to be blessed with Abraham by living by faith, or you can choose to be cursed by choosing to live by the law. You cannot live by faith and by the law at the same time. That's that old wineskin and new wine. They don't mix. It's oil and water. It doesn't mix. The Message Bible puts it this way. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith. A fact observed in Scripture, the one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. Rule-keeping, trying to keep the law, does not all of a sudden bring you to a place of, I have faith in Christ. What it does, it, it gets you to keep more and more rules. You read your Bible? You read one chapter today? Well, you could have read three. It's never enough. The law is never enough. There's always more that you could do. So today you have to choose today, are you a person that lives by faith or are you a person that lives in the flesh and you live under the law? One has a blessing, the other one has a curse. 
Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us. He's purchased us out. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? He himself became the curse. He who knew no sin was made sin. And how do we receive this blessing? How does the Gentiles, that's you guys, unless you're a Jew, if you're a Jew, you can receive it the same way? How? You become sons and daughters of Abraham through faith. Through faith. We receive the Spirit by faith. We receive the promises of God through fa- by faith. We receive, see... And I don't want you to, we receive the Spirit by faith. You need to go back and read all the things that, that uh, was the promises to Abraham, the blessings on Abraham. And then people will turn around and say, well, it's just talking about receiving the Spirit. You know, this is just talking about spiritual things. Really? You, just, you receive the Spirit of God that created the world? The spirit of the living God lives within you. You have more than Abraham had. The spirit in you is the blessing. You, everywhere you go, you bring the blessing with you. Why? Because the spirit dwells within you. This is why the gospel is called good news. But the question is, is what is the curse of the law? If Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law... And this is what we're supposed to live our life out in, in faith, right? Faith that we have been redeemed. Faith that we have the blessing of Abraham on our life. Faith in what Christ has done for us. And he redeemed us from the curse of the law. We need to know what the curse of the law is. What, what is no longer ours? What is no longer have, we have to, nothing to do with, that we have no part with, and it has no hold on us? Because we have been redeemed. We've been bought out. We've been purchased out of it. At one time, it did have authority over you. But now we reign in life through Christ Jesus. Well, to find out the curse of the law, we, we can open our Bibles. We can read Exodus. We can leave, read Leviticus. We can read Numbers. We can read Deuteronomy. But I don't think you guys want to spend that much time here this morning. So to summarize this, to summarize Deuteronomy, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 28. And in Deuteronomy 28, it outlines what the curse of the law is, what the curse is that comes upon individuals that do not follow God's law. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, it says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of the commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So curses are going to come over upon them. It's going to... Overtake them. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land and the increase of all your cattle and offspring and flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Verse 20. The Lord will send you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do. 
Until you are destroyed, until you are perished quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make a plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, the fever, with inflammation, with severe burning, fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. And they shall pursue you until you perish. So the first part was talking about financially, you're going to be in ruin because all the your, when it talks about livestock, when it talks about the fruit of the fields, all of that stuff, it's, it's, it's talking about they were farmers. It was agricultural. There were shepherds and, and had cattle and all these things. And when they stopped producing, what stops coming? Money. The second part is talking about health. Verse 23. And, the, and your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Now, we just read nine verses of 53 verses of the curse. So to save time, we're going to summarize these into three main categories. But understand something. I used to read the Old Testament, and because I didn't really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I didn't understand the covenants that God made with, with people throughout the Bible, when you read that the Lord's going to send this, the Lord's going to do this, I used to read, and there's other Bible teachers that teach this way. Well, in the Hebrew, there's feminine and, and masculine styles of a word, and sometimes they, sometimes they are... Uh, when it's in the feminine, that means they're to allow something to happen. When it's in the masculine, that means they're actually the source of who's doing it. Okay? And this, and this is how I explain this, the Lord doing these things before. And, and it, could, it could be right that it, God is just allowing, allowing the curse to take them. Right? allowing their sowing evil to have evil overtake them. But another thing you got to look at is, is who brought themselves into this covenant with God? Who demanded that they would live under the law? The children of Israel. Moses went up to Sinai, came down with the law of God, and he asked the children of Israel, can you do what the Lord your God has commanded you to do today? And they all said with a loud voice, yes, we are well able to do all that the Lord God has commanded us to do today. They chose to live under the law. They should have fell on their knees and, says, and just cried out with a loud voice, who can keep the law of God? Lead us, fellowship with us through the covenant of Abraham. So, quite literally, when you go into a covenant of the law, the law is hard. The law is like a stone. It doesn't change. There's no grace. There's no mercy in it. And the law is the law. So if you want God to deal with you according to the law, then naturally, if he is righteous and he is holy and he does not lie, he would have to send, he would have to send the curse. 
But look at this. God is grace. God is merciful. God is loving. Do you know what you had to do if you didn't keep any of God's law? Do you know that there's one, only one thing you'd had to do every year to keep from the curse from coming on you? The atoning sacrifice. The atonement. So even if you didn't live through the law all year long, then you come to the Day of Atonement, you could bring a sacrifice unto the, unto the temple and by faith receive atonement, forgiveness of your sins. So even under the law, can you see God's mercy? Can you see God's grace? Can you see the shadow of Christ? That Christ was these atoning sacrifices. That God knew right off the bat that there's no way they're going to be able to keep the law. And what happens is, is you read about the sacrifices and it gets to the point where God, it says, they, they, they no longer are sacrificing. They no longer are doing the things. And, and it, it gets to the point where their hearts are so hard towards God and it has become just a religious service. They don't see the mercy and the grace in it. And God says, I don't even want your sacrifices. So this is the curse that Christ has redeemed us from. He, he redeemed us from poverty. He redeemed us from sickness. He redeemed us from the second death. We have been redeemed. We have been purchased out. So when did Jesus redeem us from the curse? It said, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus redeemed us from the curse. He was made a curse for us. How was he made a curse? He received it. God put the curse. He received the curse into his own servant body and bore what was rightfully ours. On the cross, Jesus Christ redeemed us. So let's look at these. This is things that we have to walk by faith in. Let's look at these in reverse order because we have a lot easier time talking about the third one, the second death. What is the second death? In Revelation 20, verse 14, it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. The second death is... The destruction, hell itself, death itself, death and Hades are going to be swallowed up in the lake of fire. That is the second death. Christ has redeemed us from the second death. Look at Revelation, Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. How do you get a part in the first resurrection? We've been talking about faith this whole time. How do you get saved? That's a trick question. Faith. We get saved by faith. We get saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So, if you want to be in the first resurrection, you enter into the first resurrection by faith in what Jesus Christ has done. So, blessed, there you are again, and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. You are blessed and holy. Over, over these, the second death has no power but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. That's good news. We've been redeemed from the second death. We have no, we, we have no worries of meeting God. We have no worries of standing before the throne of grace. Why? Because it has nothing to do with you. 
It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ has done. A person that fears meeting God is a person that's standing in their own righteousness. We come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy even in our time of need. Even when you screwed up, even when you've sinned and fallen short, we can run headlong into our Father's arms. So how do we receive the first re- resurrection? We receive it by faith in the word of God, what, what Jesus Christ has accomplished. We receive it by faith in the gospel. We receive it in faith in the good news of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Not only has he, has he delivered us from the, the, the uh, second, second death, in Colossians 1, 3, it says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his beloved Son. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Satan has no authority over you, no power over you, that you do no longer live in the kingdom of darkness, but you live in the Son, in the, in the kingdom of God's beloved Son? You are in the kingdom of God. This just brings up a whole new boldness of life. We are in the kingdom of God. He delivered us from Satan's power. Now we are to represent what? God's kingdom. Before, and I, was a good jo- I did a good job at it, representing Satan's kingdom. But now we get to represent God's kingdom. And how do we? By faith. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. You have the power over the kingdom of darkness. You have the power of God to dwell within you. You, nothing, Satan has no hold on you anymore. He has no power over you. See, the problem is the church, they give too much credit to, to the kingdom of darkness. They spend so much time talking about how powerful Satan is. He, he's defeated. All his teeth have been pulled. That's why he's called, he goes about like, like a roaring lion. Because all he has is a roar. He has no teeth. All he can do is try to manipulate you to step down from your rightful place in the kingdom of God. Just like he did to Adam and Eve. You have the authority of Jesus' name. And how do we have authority? How do we walk in his authority? By faith. Redeemed from sickness. In 1 Peter 2.24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. See, there's that curse he's bearing, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That word healed means made whole, made complete. Sickness and disease is not from God. If we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, you can never say, why is God doing this to me again? If you're living under the law, but we're not living under the law. We're living in grace. We're living in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is not the source of your problems. Why? Because you've been redeemed, right? You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. It does not come from God. It is the enemy to God's kingdom. We fight the same way we receive. We fight. We fight the same way we received deliverance from the second death and the, through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Poverty. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And you might be sitting here, so this is one of those uh, wealth and health churches. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not a poverty and sickness church. That word there, rich, that though he was rich, in the Greek, this is what it means. You can look it up in a concordance yourself. Rich, riches, richly, rich man, wealthy, figurative, abounding in riches. So though that Jesus was abounding in riches, he became poor. That word poor means to, to be a beggar, by implication to become uh, indigent, indigent, figurative, to become poor. When did Jesus become poor? On the tree. He was stripped of everything. He was naked, hanging on a tree. He had nothing. All had forsaken him. And then it says that through his poverty, that's another Greek word, poverty, beggarly, um, indigency, um, figurative to be poverty, that we might become rich. That word rich is another Greek word, to be or become wealthy, literally or figurative, um, be increased with goods, May, uh, be made wax rich, to be increased in goods and be made to become rich. So, you know, if you want to, we have been delivered from the curse. The blessing of Abraham has become on those that are in faith. This is the blessing of Abraham. This is what we have been redeemed from. Question, do you Believe it. Do you, the justified now, should walk in what? Faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? Is this part of your new nature? How you see yourself? The identity that you now have? You, we might have generations of poverty in here. Or listening to this tape right now. People that, of poverty. And you've always seen yourself in that family line of we never get ahead, we never have enough, we're no good. That's a lie from the devil. In Christ Jesus, you have a new identity. Do you see how we do this in life? We, we cling on to an identity that's not Christ-like. Well, every single one of my men in my family have died at age 60 of heart disease. And so we take that as our identity, and that's what we start from the abundance of our heart. The mouth starts speaking, and that's what we start believing. See, the cross, the redemption of Jesus Christ was to come and give you a new identity, and that new identity is Jesus Christ. John is so bold, he says, as he is, so are we. In this world. You see, when I start getting down to the nitty-gritty of faith, we start realizing, you know what, there's some areas in my life that I am not walking by faith. I'm still under the law. I'm still seeing myself as a man that has not been redeemed, has not been brought out. Do you, do you have faith in this? Do you have faith in the good news of Jesus Christ? Christ has redeemed us, but you have to believe it. 
So you're going to believe something. You're either going to believe the lie, you're going to believe the devil, you're going to agree with one or the other. You're going to agree with the devil or you're going to agree with God. You're going to agree with the word of God or you're going to agree with your own God that you make up through your own imaginations. The, the spiritual war that we fight is not carnal, but spiritual. And it's fought right between our ears. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, so what's he talking about right now? He's talking about right now we're in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought captive, thought into capti- ca- captivity to the obedience of God. Christ. So how do you war this war of faith? How do you walk in faith in the flesh? By casting down vain imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ. Those thoughts that come in your head that are not lined up with who you are in Christ, you have to cast them down because they want to become strongholds and they want to become a way that you live your life. A stronghold is, 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 this, is this thing in your life that's hard to break. Why? Because it creates a habit in your life. It's like a rut. Falling back into the rut. The old pattern again. It's the same way of thinking. You know, they, you've heard this a million times. You do the same thing the same way and expect a different result. You're insane. The war is in your mind. We have to line our, our mind up, our thinking with the word of God. We have to take it captive to the, in the obedience of Christ Jesus, what Christ has said about us. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your actions are not your problem. Your thinking is your problem. Because the way that you think in your mind, Proverbs tells us, is the way that you'll act. When someone is just angry and have fits of rage, the rage and the anger is not the problem. That's how they see themselves. They don't see themselves with love, peace, gentleness, faithness, self-control, joy. They don't see themselves in Christ in that area of their life. We must believe what God says, not what the world tells us, not what we think, not We have to believe what God says. The mind is the battleground, and we must cast down those thoughts that are contrary to our identity in Christ. Let's just take one that we're all guilty of, lust. And lust is not just sexual. You could have lust for money. You could have lust for power. You could have lust for materialism. But you could have lust for women. Jesus says that if you lust for, her, lust for a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Why? Why, Jesus? I, I didn't ever commit adultery. If you were ever given the chance, because it's already in your heart, you would. As a man thinks in, in his heart, so is he. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not only, not, only, not only in same-sex attraction, right? 
You have to cast down those vain imaginations. I got news for you. Our kids don't have to have sex before they get married. They don't have to sow their wild oats. I can tell you from a person of experience that if, I, if there's one thing that I could go back and change, change about my life is that I would have waited till I got married to have sex. What that does to our minds, what that does, it just destroys what God created to be holy. And by the grace of God, you can get back to a place where you experience marriage is the way that's supposed to be. That the best sex you can ever have is in the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman that love themselves and gives each other to each other wholeheartedly. There's no guilt or no shame. There's no condemnation. It's a beautiful thing that God created. But you don't have to. You can cast down those imaginations that rise up. Same-sex attraction. Do you know that starts with a thought? It starts with a thought. And you can entertain that thought. You know, someone that robs a bank doesn't just one day just drive by a bank and say, hey, I'm going to go rob that bank. It starts with the lust of money. It starts with, with, with how do I get more money? What can I do? And then you start thinking out and planning and strategizing. And it all becomes something of the heart. And then finally it bursts and it happens. You don't just automatically commit adultery with someone. It just, you just don't fall into adultery. You don't fall into sin. It's something that's in your mind, something that you think about, something that you roll over again and again. And when the opportunity presents itself, it, ha- it doesn't just happen. See, this is the way that we think. This is where the war is. Same-sex attraction starts with somebody just having a thought. Let me, let me put it this way. Have any of you, I, maybe I'm the only the weird one, but have any of you ever had a thought of suicide come in your mind? I'm not, ta- I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about really thinking it out. I'm talking about just a pop, pop your head. So what do you do with that thought? Some people do this. You know, why would I think that thought? I must be a rotten person. I'm probably not worth, worthy of living. And, they, and then they start thinking about ways that they could commit a suicide. It doesn't just happen. It's a thought that pops in your head. You go up to a cliff, and you look over the cliff, and a thought comes in your head. What would happen if you just jumped? Where does that thought come from? You don't want to jump. Why did I have that thought? Am I going nuts? Am I going crazy? It's all thoughts. And you cast, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I will live and not die. I have the glory of God within me. I'm a blessing in this earth. Why would I ever contemplate suicide? That is not who I am. You have to battle those thoughts through the redemption in Jesus Christ that of your identity. The reason why I bring up same-sex attraction, it's no different than any other sin in life. It's no different. But there's not enough people explaining to our youth, especially in this day and age when it's so prevalent on the, on the programs that they watch and the music they listen to and all this stuff. 
That just because you have a thought, that doesn't mean that's who you are. That's who your identity is. You cast down that. That's not who I am. But what do we have we taught people? Embrace it. That's who you are. And sex has become our God. You can't love somebody unless you have sex with them. You know what? There's a lot of people in my life that I love dearly and I've never had sex with. Nor do I want to have sex with. Hey, you're welcome, John. <laughs> but see, that's worldly love. Do you see? I mean, we're pulling back the curtain this morning. We're showing you the, how Oz operates. That it's in your mind. The battle is in your mind. Everything starts with a thought. You just don't go out and commit murder. You're harboring hate in your heart. We must cast down the thoughts that are trying to destroy our true identity in Christ Jesus. In Third John chapter 1, verse 2, this is John the Beloved, the one that laid his head on Jesus at the uh, Last Supper. So he knew Jesus pretty good. He got some credentials. He says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. That word prosper up there means in business affairs. He says, I wish, I pray, I believe for you to prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. We see material, we see physical, we see spiritual here. But look, it says The blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham will operate in your life is proportioned to the prosperity of your soul. I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. What's your soul? Your mind, will, emotions, your conscience. As your conscience and your mind and your your will conforms to the image of Christ through the renewing of your mind, as that prospers in the kingdom of God, everything else will prosper. It happens in your mind. You're not weak. You're not beggarly. You're not a loser. You're you're not poor. You're You're not sick. You're not all these things that the world tells you, that you've told yourself. That's the biggest enemy you have is your own stinking thinking, what you think about yourself. That's not who you are. You are who Jesus Christ says that you are. You're you're just a ball of blessings sitting out here, and you don't even realize it. So in proportion to your soul prospering, everything else prospers. In proportion to you walking in your identity and renewing your mind to who you are in Christ, everything else prospers in life. And how do you renew your mind? By just finding out all the good things that Christ has done for you. All the promises of God, they find their yes and their amen in Christ. That's awesome. We must always keep in mind that our prosperity, which is more than just, well, uh, we are prosperous people. It's not just, because let's say you're a billionaire, but you have disease. Is that a prosperous person? It's not. Let's, Let's say that you have your health, you're a billionaire, and you're going to hell. Is that a prosperous person? 
No, that's not. Prosperity is so much. We, 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 we turn it into this little thing, a dollar amount or something. No, you're prosperous. Why? Because you're in the kingdom of God. What we, what we do, <clears throat> prosperity is not something that we own, but it's something that we steward. And Jesus said that good stewards are rewarded with more. See, that's one of the things. That's how you can, that's how you can keep your way from becoming materialistic, become, from becoming greedy, from all these different things, is that to realize that anything that you have in life is a gift from God. And we are not owners, only stewards. And we are to use what God has given us to be a blessing to others and to, and to uh, establish his covenant in the earth. Do you know, I'm a capitalist, but do you know what the cure for Coney capitalism is? People coming into their identity in Christ Jesus and realizing the reason they were given all that wealth was to be a blessing to others. That wealth in, its, in, its, in, the, in the end does not fulfill. You look at people like, just to mention a few, uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates. I think Bill Gates gave away more money last year than anybody else. Why? Why, why does he do that? Because he realized that money is not happiness. It's only what you can do for others that brings true happiness, brings true joy. And the Bible is the first one to declare that. The Bible says that, um, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. When you're a giver, the blessing flows. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. A prosperous life is not a sign that God loves one person more than others. See, that's another thing that people start saying is, so you're saying that you can judge how much God loves you if you're prosper, prosper and financial. No. First of all, and we're going to get into this in a couple months, weeks from now, is God is love. He loves everybody. But we've got to understand what love is, the love of God is. What time is it? I gotta hurry. You got time for this? The love of God is not an emotion. It's not a mushy feeling. The love of God is God's good will towards you. God loves you. That means He wills you no harm. Everything that He has in His being is for your benefit. And God loves everybody. But it's impossible to please God without faith. And there are people in the Bible that it does seem like God loves more. But he doesn't love anymore. They just appropriated it by faith. Mary showed up. We're at the Christmas season. The angel shows up to Mary and said, Blessed are you, Mary, you, are, you, have, you that has found favor in the Lord's sight. God picked Mary. That's not fair. Why did he pick her? Well, you read. She, said, she hears all this stuff that's going to happen to her. And instead of saying no, I'm not doing it. No, I, I, I can't go through that stigma. No, what will my dad think? No, what will Joseph think? I will not do it. She says, be it done unto me according to your word. 
Daniel, he had favor with God. David was a man after God's own heart. Moses talked with God as a man talks to a man. Abraham was a friend of God. God loved the whole world. But not everybody appropriated that love by faith. And faith pleases God because it allows his love to be manifest in their life. So yes, God loves us all, but you know what he loves more? What he he really gets a kick out of is when you really start believing that he loves you. And then you start living like he loves you. Because then the blessing of Abraham, then the blessing gets flowing in your life. So don't misunderstand me what I'm saying. A prosperous life is not saying that God loves one person more than another. Only that they are operating in faith, and faith always gets results because you have God's word on it. Look at the amplified version. Oh, no, this isn't the amplified version. I'm going to read it in normal version, in American Standard Version first. Romans 5.17, For if by the trespass of one death reigns through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Where are we to be, where are to be reigning? Are we supposed to be reigning in heaven? We are to be reigning in life. At one time, the transgression of Adam reigned through, through that one, reigned in our life. But now, because we have received the abundance of grace, super abundance, you are slathered up with so much grace that if the curse wanted to get to you, it couldn't. You are just in a bubble. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. When you understand the abundance of grace that you have, the abundance of God's ability that you have in your life, and realize that you are righteous, you are in right standing with God, you are a righteous, holy man and woman of God, you will then reign over your circumstances in life. You will reign in life. Look at how the Amplified Version puts it. In the Amplified Version it says, For if because of one man's trespass, his lapse, his offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, put them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Do you see yourself that way this morning? Is that what it's the identity that dwells within you? For this is who you are. So, what does reigning in life look like? It looks like the blessing. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Through six, now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. What is the commandment? This is the Old Testament. There was lots of commandments, right? But what is the commandment today? Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. 
Do you believe this morning? Is your identity in Christ Jesus? Are you righteous and received the abundance of grace? Commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Again, this goes back to what we talked to before the, before the message started about the reason why the United States is where it is today is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The founding fathers, they, you, you can read it over and over, over again in the writings, that they established this country as a beacon of hope and light and a means of spreading the gospel throughout the world. Anywhere where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, it prospers. There's whole countries of, in Africa, and I can't, I'm not prepared to go into all that, but there's whole countries that were poverty-stricken, were war-torn, and the gospel of Jesus Christ came in there. The, 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 the leaders of that country actually put banners up that says, Jesus is Lord. And the whole nation has changed. Farms have been coming up. It, I shouldn't talk about stuff I don't have all the exact details for you. Just believe me. But it, the gospel brings the blessing with it. Where was I? And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. That's the, do you see yourself? Do you see yourself at the job site? And you, you're there and you're saying, I have the mind of Christ. You know what? I know this is where God has called me to be. This is where I get pleasure. This is where my, this is my ministry. And I'm just going to trust, Lord, that in my ministry, the blessing is just going to overtake me. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beast and the increase of your herd and your young and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be the, your basket and blessed be your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you shall be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. If you don't feel blessed coming in, just go out. Because you're blessed coming in and blessed going out. Verse 7, the Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and they will flee before you seven. The Lord will command, command the blessing upon your barns and, and on all that you put your hand to. What are your barns? Come on, what are, what are barns? It's, it's where you store stuff, right? What are they storing? Grain, livestock, all these things. That's your bank accounts, boys and girls. That's what it, that's what it is. It's, what's a silo to a farmer? He don't look up there and see corn. Tim, what's he see when he looks at a silo, silo of? And money in the bank. That's money. A farmer doesn't look at, what did you tell me? You told me something about, uh, oh, um, the farmer that Tim works for was a dairy farmer, and he came into the house, and his wife says, man, that smells like cow manure. You smell like cow manure. And he just goes, smells like money to me. <laughs> blessed, blessed shall you be. 
The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all you put your hand to. So anything you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which your Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you. If you keep his commandments of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord your God, and walk in his ways. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by his name, by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. They will reverence you. They, they, they will take you seriously. This, this is the thing is, is that we as, as a people, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Jesus Christ. We are called by the name, and the nations of the world should see the blessing on us. And we invite them in. We don't exclude them. We invite them in, into it. See, that's what I love, that's what I love about God's kingdom. You know, everybody's worried about there's only so many pieces of pie. If we don't have enough pie, if everybody takes a piece of pie, then there might not be enough for everybody. In God's kingdom, he just makes another pie. Amen? Verse 11, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Someone better tell Moses that he's a prosperity preacher. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body and the offspring of your beast and the produce of your ground. Again, there's a farmer. In the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open up his good storehouse, the heavens, to give you rain, your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow. That's who you are. That's the blessing. That's what God is trying to get in your life. That's what he's trying to get you to agree with him on. If two agree on anything, God says that I'll do it. Are you going to agree on his word? Are you going to agree with the Holy Spirit? Are you going to agree with what Jesus Christ has done? Are you in agreement with God? Is this your identity? Is this how you see yourself? And this stuff doesn't... Sometimes God does miracles and things happen just like that. Just overnight. But other times he wants us to learn how to walk by faith. And as we're faithful with a little, he gives us more and more and more and more. We walk in the faith of Christ. We, 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 we walk in the blessing of Christ. The just shall live by faith. Are you going to live by faith? Are you going to live free from the curse? Are you going to live seeing yourself redeemed? Are you going to live with that identity and that nature that God has given you as a new creation? Are you going to be the salt of the earth? Are you going to be the light of the world? Are you going to be that beacon of hope and blessing? Yes, we are. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just love you. We love you. I love your word. It just gets me so excited. I I am so thankful. I am so thankful that, that I don't have to depend on my own ability. Because my own ability stinks. I thank you that all I have to do is hear your voice. And do what you told me to do. And expect the grace and your empowerment to bring the results. 
Father, right now there's some of us sitting here that there's things that you told them to do that look scary. There's things that, that you told them to do, dreams that you put in their heart that they, they have shoved down because they said that there's no way that they could ever do it. They don't have the ability to do it. They don't have the wisdom to do it. They're not good enough to do it. And that's exactly who you were looking for when you called them to do it. That it's you that does the work within us. You have called us to good works. You have called us to, to bring forth your pleasure in this earth. And through hearing the word of God this morning, we fully expect that faith has come. And we will put our hands to the plow. We will put our hands to what you've called us to. And we will expect that you will bring the prosperity. We will do the things that you've called us to and it will bring glory to Jesus. And it will bring many into the kingdom of God. And it will transform our homes, our neighborhoods, and our nation, and the world. You have no plan B. We love you, we praise you, and we celebrate you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.charisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.